0: I've returned from my uh, brief hiatus to the show. I was attempting to figure out if I could create a viable young between uh, men and trucks and also men and trains. And after a number of attempts, I can say, not yet.
1: Okay, that's, you know, you shoot for the moon, you still end up um, with the stars, or in your case, some, like, (laughs) human truck abominations that need to be put down.
0: (laughs) They would be so good at sports if we had men that were also cars. Imagine <laughs> it; they'd be unstoppable. How do you defend that? You don't. It will kill you. It will run over you and kill you. the The potential is limitless. I just has to. I just have to get some stuff done. I also need to get more trucks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you ever see um one of my favorite YouTube videos of all time? Was a a Russian guy who does like paranormal investigations, where he kind of like reverse myth busts things, like like paranormal stuff that is obviously total bullshit. He just like fakes it being real.
2: And <laughs> in, in
1: one, he gets um he gets some of his semen and he injects it with a hypodermic needle into a chicken egg in order to produce a homunculus, and um. <laughs>
0: That's not, that's not really how you do that, though, which is really I mean, how no
2: been it's, it's
1: how he did it, and um, according to this video, he was very successful at it. He produced uh, three homunculi of, of varying <laughs> uh, quality, and one of them spat acid at him. And then he... Rules. <laughs> this guy rules. Oh,
2: hell yeah.
1: And then he killed Sweet. it with his shoe.
3: Earth, can we get this guy on the show? <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: he, he's too powerful. I, I can't like engage I, I, with power of that man. This is
3: the path to post-scarcity communism that I believe in.
0: I just yeah, want like, to talk to him. I just want I just want to bring him into my life.
1: into death sentence everyone
2: that
1: was a, little, that little was a cold open. open that was a cold open right there that was a hot open because that was some homunculi chat <laughs> um, as always we encourage our, our listeners and patrons to send us any any spells you have any uh, ways we can create our own homunculi uh, yeah, please send us them. We, we did actually get a spell the other day and we were really pleased with that, so keep them coming. It was, keep it was coming. cool and strong. Yeah. yeah, it was a powerful <laughs> spell.
0: So, if the, to, as a roll call, if you have any DMT, we will 100% take that DMT. You just gotta <laughs> send it. We, we will map the DMT-verts. Uh, also, any spells, any reagents you got, any uh, uh,
1: cantrips, Potuses? Potuses. Yeah. Those, are, those are good, yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, healing bombs or salves, especially those mm-hmm. of the... Yeah. Uh, uh, of vomiter- nature. Mm-hmm. Love that shit.
1: So, and because, you know, we, we're pretty spooky here, as you can tell. Uh, we got the premiere spooky left podcast guys on here for what's going to be another one of our Ocean's Eleven kind of joined together <laughs> a super team of <laughs> Specialist, skilled operatives, in order to produce a literary heist of the ages, um, kind of like Ocean's Twelve, the inferior sequel to Ocean's Eleven.
2: Uh,
1: but and so horror vanguard, you probably know it by now because it's it's good. And uh, <coughs> John um, John, aka also known as the Litcrit Guy, also Lil Litcrit. <laughs> is um, has been on the show before and hey. since then he obviously caught the podcasting bug he uh, found Ash uh, and you know did kind of like I'm, I'm not going to call him out for copying what I did and get an American co-host <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know, correlation does not imply um, just rank stealing from me <laughs> But the
0: Americans bring a certain kind of je ne sais quoi that the Brits don't have, because we have way more guns than they do. And that just, that, we, so much
1: guns. And trucks. Yeah, our our
3: brains have been trucks, yeah. by, by exposure to massive violence, so we're able to see the curve of time.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> 2001 A Space Odyssey is actually... <laughs> Just a, a mythic retelling of seeing way too many mass shootings. Uh, <laughs> you ascend and become
4: a space baby. <laughs> yeah, a- Ash, Ash is definitely the star child of the Horror Vanguard podcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he just so, drifts in space and psychically communicates with you. It's funny yeah. because only only you have a mic. Ash just thinks it directly into the computer. Yeah,
3: that was, um, the, that was my audio problem earlier. Is I couldn't like quite get the psychic frequency of Discord down.
1: <laughs> yeah, we are recording on Discord, so yeah, cancel us. I don't care. We're gamers now. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> <And it. laughs> so, guys, tell us more about the horror vanguard.
3: Uh, we are we are a podcast that brings leftist criticism to horror movies, and uh, we also have our, our Patreon exclusive book club series where we look at. Uh, texts that approach the philosophical and the political from uh, a horrific or horror slanted standpoint. I think that's, it's, that's also worth,
0: it's also worth noting that they aren't uh, bad leftist horror critics because we get a lot of <laughs> uh, like it, I, I'm glad that you're laughing but it's also unfortunately a very real thing as I'm certain you guys know that we get a lot of people who are very well intentioned and have read a good bit of leftist stuff but seem to fundamentally misunderstand the affect of the horrific. And so they just, like, have wildly misread horror texts.
2: Yeah, and
1: you I, guys I like, don't. Yeah, I like your, like, kind of almost tagline for the show, horror wants to do things to your body. Like, that, that makes sense. And if you get that, you get horror in a good way. Yeah, but uh, yeah. yeah. But, you know, lots of people talk about, like, elevated horror, at which point I want to throw up blood. Yes. yes. All horror is elevated by the fact that it's horror.
0: I watched the film yeah. Terrifier recently.
5: That shit was wild. <laughs> that shit was crazy. That
0: clown killed so many people. He saw killing half.
1: which way? Like horrors, like across the stomach top, top or down. like
0: top down. Oh Ooh, the, the hard way. Movie. Wow. From yeah. from the taint up to the jaw. Then
2: he oh, stopped. Oh,
1: wow.
0: You don't yeah, see that I... work ethic anymore.
1: Yeah. Right? I... I went to a museum in Prague where they had a lot of, like, torture implements, and they had one of those, like, full-body saws that had been used. Like, that thing that I touched has been used to saw people in half, started with their taint, going all the way to the head.
0: That's work Uh, ethic. That's that's devotion. Yeah,
1: exactly.
2: (laughs) We we love to see it.
1: (laughs) Yeah,
4: that's craftsmanship. And, uh, yeah, that's that's what we do on Horror Vanguard. We... We aim to bring. From the taint. <laughs> we we aim to, to put out the philosophical equivalent of getting sword in half, <laughs> taint. taint first.
1: <laughs> Weird that there's no British uh, word for taint. Like we've never. I feel happened. like
0: taint has a British feel to it. To me, it feels. I've like always just thought it was a British word. With.
1: I it was thought American. Like, I've only ever, like, first ever heard it in America. I don't know. Well, you know, look more, at
0: us come people together. Refer we're sharing. To it? Do you guys just call it the perineum? No.
1: No one <laughs> says perineum. Per-
0: per- per- perineum.
1: <laughs> no. no one says perineum. <laughs> right. We, we got important work to do here. <laughs> so, <That's not laughs>
2: <I'm spectral. laughs>
1: right. Aaron Bastani, the uh, founder of Navarra Media. One of Britain's uh, actually probably only uh, leftist radio concerns, like, and also a group of podcasts, uh, tends to be on the kind of Corbynite Labour side of things. You know, they're they're socialist, they're leftist, obviously, and, um, you know, they're not going to put out stuff that's too weird, but then. Their hearts are generally in the right place. They haven't uh, produced any particularly galaxy-brained takes so far, and so far it's going to do a lot of work there because um, <laughs> we're going to see that they, Bastani at least as uh, his brain is galaxy-sized at the moment, he's fully Starchild, and um, so he. This is his first book. It's called "Fully Automated Luxury Communism." It's out on Verso, um, who have been nothing but good to us. Lovely, lovely people at Verso. Always happy to send us a copy of their book. Uh, we've read like four in the last two months. They've just been on Verso. We hope we do many more. But unfortunately, this one is more of a socialist manifesto than a the other ones, which are actually good. It's... Um, yeah, I, I think I speak for literally everyone ever, except Aaron Bastani, when I say this is some Galaxy Brain shit. So, who who wants to who wants to take take it away into kind of a brief
5: discussion of what's actually in this book?
3: I mean, I think Gal- Galaxy Brain kind of nails it. This is this is like literal
0: Galaxy Brain takes. I've I've begun I've begun to loathe Verso Press to hate them as though they were a man uh, on account of we used to Gareth we used to do literature we used to read we used to read novels we used to speak of these novels and dive into their prose and now I'm just assaulted by bad left book memes that have turned into real books because the universe is cruel and devoid of a god.
1: Okay, fine. It's, they they they, te- they tend to do better in terms of audience engagement, okay?
0: Oh, I know, no. I I understand, and that's why I loathe the audience now as well. <laughs> Talking about you, Craig. Yeah. <laughs> you fucking prick. <laughs> I promise been, we'll read books again. I've soon. been reading I've been reading through the works of Kazuo Ishiguro. I'm halfway through The Remains of the Day again still a beautiful book beautiful i know i started that
1: the other day too and way
0: better than this book
1: way so much better (laughs) so okay (laughs) what what's in fully automated luxury space communism
0: you remember those memes from left book of uh gay flags on the moon and people are like i can't wait for fully literate Full, fully automated luxury space, gay space communism. And you're like, yeah, that's going to be really good. And everyone laughed and then went back to their normal uh, normal political actions. You know, like supporting candidates, doing organizing, union stuff, whatever. Well, imagine if you didn't do any of that second part and the meme came to life and wrote itself <laughs> into a
4: novel-length book about the meme.
2: I mean,
1: yeah, pretty much. Uh, <laughs>
4: it turns out it turns out we've had long like it's been a long contested question on the left of what does it mean to be a socialist and to be engaged in the 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 great emancipatory struggle for a better world and it turns out that the answer is space mining space oh, mining yeah. that that's the yep. solution to what it what does it mean to be a socialist to be a communist It's about mining in space.
3: To to quote one of the heroes, I I think we can all agree, of of leftist, on-the-ground, you know, praxis, Elon Musk. Uh, This was totally awesome, my dude.
1: (laughs) It is, yeah, (laughs) awesome. And, um, yeah, there's, like, a big old chapter in this book that's straight up just about asteroid mining, how we're going to go into space, we're going to grab 16 Psyche out of the Kuiper belt, we're going to drag it back to Earth, and kind of like leave it in orbit, and somehow that's going to give us like infinite amounts of minerals. Because well, you it's know it's it's about the yeah. minerals, right? Yeah,
4: it's about it's it's almost like you found the solar system cheat codes, uh, and so you <laughs> can like pull infinite resources now out of the universe without spending anything. Um, that's yeah. that's that's how it's going to work. It it I reminds mean... me a lot of the.
0: Profoundly like weird thoughts that we run into from people where they take the the analytic materialist end of leftist rhetoric that to the underread is like ninety percent of leftist rhetoric and like has nothing to do with the psychological, nothing to do with the social. It's just material relation and material resource. Uh, and then they go and say. They just absolutely go insane. It's like their brain gets reprogrammed by an alien computer to only think wrong. Um, they're like, I need more meteors. And you're like, you what? And they're like, meteor, meteor liberation. Uh, I believe this is also how the dinosaurs died. It uh, was uh, meteor liberation.
1: So apparently the, the problems we've been having on the Earth we just don't have enough rare earth elements so we need to go to the kuiper belt we need to grab some get them back and then we're good Oh
4: yeah, and, totally. um, that, that is all it's going to take that's all it's going to take that's all we need
1: yeah just just more palladium just, yeah. this, is just,
4: this is Starcraft 101. We need minerals,
3: we need Vespian gas, and then our, our Terran <laughs> soldiers are just gonna crush the Zerg.
0: This is fantastic. We're absolutely up. gonna upgrade we're gonna get stim packs, and once we oh, get we, those yeah. stim packs and a couple firebats, the zerglings are really just toast. There's absolutely no, they're nothing they can do. It. And so we, we have to get the asteroids before they get the asteroids. At- yeah, yeah, because otherwise the Zerglings are going to get that burst ability, and then we're fucked. Oh yeah, we, we're we're going to get Zerg rushed, and that's that's the end of that. Yeah, oh.
1: <laughs> and the Zerg rush is a uh, climate change, yeah. <laughs> unless you were being literal, in which case I'm very scared.
3: We are currently <laughs> writing a better book. <laughs> <laughs>
0: the another yeah, frustra- we... a frustrating like... thing.
2: About...
1: Oh. yeah, we should have just read one of the novelizations of the Starcraft uh, universe. <laughs> <laughs> and then oh, that would have ruled. Justice. That, that would have ruled. I, absol- I,
0: so I ironically would have loved to do that. Bad news, Gareth, I've read every StarCraft novel.
1: Oh, God. This explains so much.
0: I was a horrible teen boy. You know, they made a Diablo novel. They made a novel oh. about Diablo. Although <laughs> that shit was fire because it's just fighting demons with a sword. <laughs>
1: I finally worked out your origin story. Just...
0: I, I'm surprised my brain let me remember how to read after all of that. <laughs> this thing, it didn't take it away. Like he's wasting this. We're just gonna, we're just gonna give it back. Don't deserve this. <laughs> he's read a Magic the Gathering novel and then read a second Magic the Gathering novel. <laughs> the written word was a mistake. <laughs> Uh, what's what's frustrating about this book is that it's like it's it's not necessarily bad ideas they're just way way too early like way too early I want to grab and be like you know I'm not saying that getting getting some, some asteroids or, or meteors isn't a nice long term plan for resource management in a uh, post earth world I just think you've skipped us one or several middle steps such as we currently are on earth and we're not anywhere but earth and uh we're going to die from the climate before we get to the asteroids and i don't know it feels like you've uh you've uh put the cart before the horse a bit
1: yeah i I was talking about that I was talking about this with someone earlier and that's the exact word I've used for this whole political project that Bastani's doing he thinks because we get the technology that's going to lead to good applications of it and eventually we're going to get socialism out of it
2: mm-hmm.
1: but it, we've had the technology to do like a whole bunch of the stuff that we need for his uh, Falk future for a long yeah. time like you know wind turbines solar panels have been around since the 50s mm-hmm. and no one's used them because there's money to be made elsewhere yeah and
2: it's you know it, yeah, it's,
1: we, we need the politics in place first then we can get all this stuff
3: yeah we've, we've been functionally post scarcity on food for decades now we have way more food than we need uh, in terms of production versus what we would need to feed humanity but, you know, capitalism gets in the way of that. And, you know, the resources aren't going where they need to be because there's no value to be had in, in shipping food around and giving it away for free. So we just yeah. let it rot in giant heaps.
1: Yeah, we make lakes of spoiled milk because yeah. we pay farmers to make milk and then throw it into huge vats to go yeah. go rotten and can't even make it into nice cheese. <laughs> so, yeah, we... Yeah, I mean... It's very rare, rare you can find a single point that explains why some, uh, a book has failed. And it's just that. It's just he's mixed around the order in, in which stuff is supposed to happen. And once you make that one fundamental error, the whole thing just falls apart and ends up in galaxy brain territory.
0: I will give him credit for something that the Socialist Manifesto absolutely fucked up. And this uh, is a manifesto. Like, yeah. again, the, the literary form of a manifesto, this one actually does it. If you can't think for some reason when you're reading this, you'll go, fuck, yeah, we got to get into space to get those asteroids. Fuck, this sounds so fucking lit, which is what a manifesto is supposed to do. The problem is that the the thought doesn't work at all. So like the communist manifesto pointed itself at very real contemporary concerns. Black Panthers released a powerful manifesto. We get all the pamphlets from Lenin that were incredibly powerful. Yada, yada, Mm -hmm. yada. We have a number of really excellent examples. Uh, And then this is like, uh, is the kind of manifesto a space Marine would read, (laughs) (laughs) which is, you know, good, good for them. They have a tough life um, getting psychically dominated all the time but uh you know we uh, i'm not a space marine i'm much smaller than a space marine i do have the same amount of guns though thank you america
3: (laughs) yeah yeah i definitely think that if if this would have been like fully automated luxury communism colon of a vision for after we defeat capitalism like that would have completely changed my read on this book but it's it's trying to argue that like this is something that we can do in the near
4: future, which is just like ludicrous.
2: Mm, Yeah.
4: Also, uh, I also think it's really like shockingly naive about technology. Oh yeah. It's like, there's a great, uh, there's a great book called, uh, nihilism and technology by Nolan Book talks all about the fact that it isn't a question of like, we don't have the right stuff. We don't have the right understanding of what this technology does and does to us. I mean it's like uh yeah, lots of this technology already exists and the way that it's used is pretty bad. It's maybe not great. Yeah, we,
1: yeah, we spoke to another versa for um James Bridal about um New Dark Age. He was talking about mostly about information technology. And
4: yeah, but that's a big part of this book, because Bastani Ooh. goes to goes to great lengths going, information wants to be free. And
1: Oh yeah, I, I... She's Wanted like, to scratch my eyes out the uh, second time I he said that because he keeps using that phrase. And I've like made a big whiteboard on my wall and I've I've written it out and I've done all the analytic philosophy stuff to it to try and work out what the term information wants to be free means. And I've come up with the to the conclusion that phrase means nothing. You can use any string of nouns and it will make a more meaningful sentence and information wants to be free that has no in no meaning to it whatsoever
0: it's it's additionally nowhere even close to true we we have this we have this weird notion that crops up so in the worst aspects of the pathological end of uh leftist theory we sometimes impose notions of human will on non-willed things as justification for political movement, which is universally asinine and insane. Information doesn't have a will whatsoever. It doesn't have a will to freedom. It doesn't have a will to restraint. It that's not how it works. Even framing it that way as like a metaphor doesn't quite it doesn't make any fucking sense. Like it's it's simply not true.
2: Hmm.
1: Yeah, and then when you try and apply that to Tungsten, which he later does, and or Energy, Energy doesn't want to be free. It's either there or it isn't, or someone has it, or they don't have it, or they're going to give it to you, or they're not going to give it to you, or they're going to take it from you.
0: It's like Negaristani did some interesting things with that thought, but only by dramatizing it in this kind of delusional horror fiction way, and riffing on, well, well, what what can we extract from that? And I like, we've all the hasn't been relevant for a while, precisely because he came up with like a uh, two, two interesting ideas and then we were done. So it felt weird that something, especially being posited as like a serious leftist nonfiction book. It's not, it's not trying to be speculative and be experimental and potentially have the experiment fall on its face, which the benefit of someone like Negerastani is that it was pretty explicitly put forward as like, this is a speculative experiment in philosophy and it may completely fail. This mm-hmm. is just like, Nope. Tungsten has a will and it wants us to make, <laughs> uh, it wants us to make cool spaceships.
1: Tungsten, all the tungsten on earth is lonely and it wants to go to space to get its friends.
4: Oh, Tungsten, oh, it, tungsten is real and Tungsten is all of our friends. <laughs> and strong and dense. I think we can so, all
3: agree, fuck Craig, solidarity with Tungsten.
0: It, it's extremely strange as well to, um, especially in a world of climate change, to read something that's so hyper-fixated on resource extraction mm-hmm. and like the moral imperative of resource extraction as yeah. somehow being an adequate leftist response
2: hmm.
4: yeah. i don't know i don't know if this is just me but like i actually think this book would have been better if it was way
2: more
4: and have been like here's like an exercise in like left-wing futurology mm-hmm. let's let's like let's yeah, get let's get really I weird i was expecting yeah. it to get a lot weirder than it did um and in a way it reminds me of like a second rate inventing which is the big ex- sort of semi uh book that came out a few years ago from uh, oh, Nick, yeah. uh, I've, uh, Sir and Alex Williams. Myself.
2: Yeah, it was
4: because uh, they sure make similar I... demands about automation and about yeah. uh, UBI and about the end of work. And I'm like, where's the weird futurey stuff?
1: Hmm. Yeah, I'm sure if I went back to inventing the future, I'd probably not like it as much because I've kind of come around a bit on UBI. I used to think, yeah, that's going to that's gonna do it. That's a silver bullet. But now I'm, yeah. I'm less... I think I think virtually all of the left kind of did that same trajectory of kind of thinking. Oh, yeah, wait, yeah. UBI is just going to end up with a, a corporatized version of welfare. It's going to be terrible.
3: Yeah, it's just script. Yeah, basically, yeah,
1: and um, uh, which of course Bastani talks about in his book and is well favor of UBI. Um, and,
4: and and it's like I thought we were going to be talking about would it be like to sort of try and create the novels by ian m banks could we do that and no it's like we're going to have exactly the same kind of resource extraction or and in in space as well and that's that's our great vision of the future
1: yeah it's it's not a very good utopia is it it's just kind of like a oh so it's kind of like Everyone gets to be kind of like a billionaire, but probably in practice not, because that's the whole point of billionaires is there's not many of them. And um, yeah, but maybe you'll just go to work on an asteroid mine.
3: <laughs> it's a bold future. You know, I will die in the space
4: mines. <laughs> that's, that's. but there was a, that opening bit of the book. I, I, was, I was sort of with him because he was like, you know what, we do need to be able to imagine Beyond capitalist realism i was like yeah yeah i'm i am totally with you so uh let's let's all boldly go into the vast abyss of space and mine rare earth minerals for our smartphones through an app and i was like no was like, wait mm. what <laughs> could
2: we not Record dream stretch. a bit bigger
1: <laughs> i mean th- that's basically the plot of the expanse uh, mm-hmm. which is now owned by amazon uh, so yeah, maybe it's not that big a an idea, you know. If it's... people have been making TV shows about it for the last five years,
0: it it feels strange. So on that note, it uh it reminds me of um. Sp- so the expanse and the cheapening of the dream, I think, ties into this book a lot. In that, I get some odd reactions from people when I tell them that I don't read or watch the expanse. I'm not really interested in it. They're like, "What?" And I'm like, "It." There's something that's deeply embittering to me that specifically Amazon picked up the rights to what presumably was a socialist utopian uh, sci-fi. Oh
1: space no, it's world. not. It's definitely okay. okay. It's Game of Thrones in space. Okay, that's well, the that... entire pitch. It's <laughs> well, basically that's
0: even less interesting to me. I absolutely don't yeah. care then. <laughs>
1: It's just just game of friends in space. Watching, yeah, but uh, sorry, watching
0: like the the uh, so space has always sort of been um, a leftist uh, utopian projection space. I mean, it's been other that for other ideologies too. It's not like it's exclusively owned by leftists, but watching, say, like the weird cheapening of Star Trek into a really bad action movie series, um. And the utter misread of Warhammer 40,000 as anything but a really bleak Judge Dredd-esque satire. Like a heavy metal 2000 AD style thing. Um, And then this book going like, the biggest we can dream is to mine minerals in space. It just is more depressing than the outright shitty political things that I can run into because it's like, this is uh, the death of the dream. Oh, this feels great. (laughs) I guess we are just fucked, right? Hmm. Excellent. Yeah. I I
3: kept, I kept waiting for that turn too. I kept waiting for him to be like, all right, so like we go mine a couple asteroids. We build a Dyson net around the sun. We have transgalactic warp tubes and then we're having sex with aliens. What's not to love? And, like, we, we can't even get there. And, like, that's so incredibly disappointing that, like, you're having this space-sized dream about humanity reaching the stars on an allegedly communist and socialist, like, societal framework, which would be incredibly ideal. And, like, the end game is, like, we have more, like, Internet of Things toasters or something.
1: Mm, <laughs> pretty much, yeah.
3: I want to go to space to have sex with aliens. I don't want to go to space for fancier toasters.
0: I only want to have sex with aliens. <laughs> that is the only thing I desire in this world and life. It's what gets you up in the morning, right?
1: I'm talking I'm downtown. Mm. Anyway, so we should break here for some music and then come back and roast this book some more. Uh, Langdon, do you want to take your suggestion first? Because you came to me with a, a suggestion for the music to play.
0: Oh yeah. Um. So, uh, fuming mouth. Then
1: those those guys. Yeah, I, I yeah. totally forgot. I knew it had some dumb name. But, uh...
0: Okay. So, uh, this band is called Fuming Mouth. Um, you'll look at the album art at some point if you Google it and go, "Hey, that looks like, uh, the Mirror Reaper guy," and that's because it's the same artist. Um, that's the only thing that's the same though, because while Bellwitch is uh slow and decrepit. Uh, doom, barely even metal really, just they're their doom music. They feel like you are at a funeral or are currently dying. Um, Fuming Mouth is beating you up. Uh, they roll up into your house, they punch you in the mouth a couple of times, and before you can spit out through your blood and teeth, uh, who are you? They're, they've are they gone. They're bored. They've, they've left. Um, it's somewhere between Hardcore and Death Metal, which... Is sort of like the in vogue mixture right now, but uh, it's in vogue because it stomps ass, uh, and riffs really hard. Uh, and this uh record absolutely fucking slaps ass, it's just a a ripper front to back. I have no idea what track we're gonna play, but all of them are pretty much the same and really killer. So, uh, Gareth, what which one are you uh gonna?
1: I'm going to play the song Out of the Shadows. It's the third track off The Grand Descent by Fuming Mouth. Uh, don't know what record label it's on. They are from Massachusetts. They are pictured. Like, all their long-ass curly hair is hanging down above their, blur their faces. One of the guys has a Mortal Kombat long-sleeve t-shirt. Just, <laughs> That's
0: how you know their shit's going to pop.
1: Yeah. <laughs> The other guy has some, some sort of like like a bandolia. I'm not sure. It's, it's like a, a bum bag or fanny pack, but it's worn over his chest. I'm not sure what he keeps in there. Uh, if anyone knows what the one that goes <laughs> from Fuming Mouth keeps in his bandolia, please let us know through uh, Patreon or uh, DM us. So anyway, here's uh, Out of the Shadows by Fuming Mouth. The album Art on this one as much as I do for Mirror Reaper. I think Mirror Reaper's a bit more understated. This just looks silly.
0: No, but... he has a sword, it's tell <laughs> <laughs> you. <laughs> and he's holding the sword like he's holding the blade part with his hand. It's really dumb and cool.
1: And his other hand is on fire. And, and dudes
0: are walking into him.
1: Yeah. And he's like, ah, oh, there's dudes to me. Get him out. My hand's oh, on fire. i cold it a sword. This is the worst.
0: <laughs> I'm having a worst really birthday
1: ever. <laughs> this is like the worst birthday I could have ever had. Why are all the these dudes
0: in my body?
1: So, yeah, that was Human Mouth from The Grand Descent, and um, there's a lot of dudes just going strapping that guy. The um,
0: important thing is they aren't on the bad record label.
1: That's right. They're not on the, the bad record label, which we will not name until we do our long-promised call-out episode. um, So we're still here with Horror Vanguard guys, still talking about Aaron Bastani's fully automated luxury gay space communism, uh, or just Falk, even though that's kind of crap. It reminds <laughs> me of uh, Falko, kind, of, kind of novelty, <laughs> German. facts. Uh, <laughs> That's like the most amusing thing that happened while I was reading this book. I stopped to look up Rock Me on the on YouTube. A, kind of slaps, actually. But, yeah, gonna um,
0: say, the weird thing about that track is that it's nowhere near as bad as your brain might tell you. It's actually, uh, it's a, it's an all right song.
5: Yeah. Of course, it's
0: pretty funko. good. <laughs> you hear it and you're like, oh, that's, yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. And that's that's the strongest reaction that you'll have to it. But, you know.
1: Yeah, and um, that's yeah, that was... still a more positive reaction than the one you'll have to this book. Yeah. <laughs> There's one thing so... there is
4: one thing that's been bugging me. It's something that comes up quite a lot when we talk about the future. And it's... So the Earth is maybe going to be uninhabitable in like 25 years, but it's going to be fine because we'll just leave. We're all just going to leave. And... If you have any kind of like sense
5: oh you know, obviously that not all of us are gonna
4: get to case of like that there's gonna be you know uh Bezos City and the Musk planet that will be up there and will be the kind of like lifeboats for the, the Elysium for the rich and successful, and then there's gonna be the rest of us who are left on a kind of Ecologically barren, uh, rock to just sort of f- mad max it out until the end. Basically, I just think I mean, that this idea- yeah. i just think this, this fantasy is like
5: it ignores the fact that lo- if that if that for literally billions of people,
0: it it that touches on something that I think is an important aspect that not only this book misses, but is something that culturally we don't necessarily handle all that well. I see a lot of like, whinging online that certain leftist things are too, too dour, and where's the hope, and where's the dreaming, and all, of... and it's not to say that there isn't a necessity and a value to dreaming and desiring, um, but yeah, like you were saying, it's some, on some level, We need to much, much more seriously grapple with the severity of things coming down the pipeline. Like, at a certain point, optimism and dreams read as deliberate delusion. Like, people just really don't want to face that the Earth will straight up be completely uninhabitable.
1: Hmm. And Bastani's, like, response to it in the book is... I mean, when, when like the bodies start piling up from like climate change and refugee crises and wars and stuff, it's going to look really, it's not going to be a good look for him. So his, I mean, mean, the thing is, is...
4: those bodies have already started piling up.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. Syria and so on. Yeah.
4: Can you, how can you, like, there's, there's in this entire book.
5: Or at least I don't think there is. I might be, I might be wrong, but I'm, Oh, sorry, you're cutting out on
1: my end. Does everyone else?
0: Yeah, he cut out on my end too. Yeah, same. I bit. can hear everybody else, but I think I may it.
4: have gotten slightly slightly too mad online. Um, <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying I think that's the thing that's actually worth being being quite uh vocal about is the fact that like this is this is a utopia, but it's not it's like like I say, the bodies are already piling up on on beaches, borders are already like these institutions of of horrendous violence. And that's only going to increase when you've suddenly got like billionaires escaping off into space.
2: Mm.
1: Yeah. And his response is to evoke Victorian England, where there was one Times article about how all the horse crap in London is going to be nine foot high and then uh, cars were invented. So it wasn't as if that one time when technology did kind of provide a solution for a problem, Means that technology will always provide solutions for all problems at all times.
3: Yeah, and I love how that read completely ignores all of the times that technology definitely caused problems that are infinitely worse than London being full of
4: horseshit for a while.
2: I like, mean, like, you know, like, the global cars, warming ca-
4: thing. Cause <laughs> the combustion engine, famously having literally no downside. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
3: Or even, even like, I I don't know, that time that we made bombs that are capable of destroying all human civilization and we just decided to sit on them for a while. Fine, totally fine. (laughs) Haven't addressed that problem yet, but, you know, let's go mine an asteroid.
1: (laughs) And all those bombs are still being run on 1960s technology because they can't take it off. And so we're, like, running on, like, stuff designed by baby boomers on acid to... (laughs) <laughs> Hopefully, prevent complete annihilation,
4: but love to see it
1: mm. <laughs> it's It's good to know that that could just be a flash and then it's all over. but um,
4: relief to be honest
1: it would yeah, don't, don't want to be too millennial about it, but it would be fun to die.
4: <laughs> yeah it, 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 it would be cool
0: if we died in a nuclear <laughs> furnace rather than uh just the slowly heating bleaching earth one would be way more doom metal though the other one more thrash metal
1: damn which way do i, I want to go on that that's, right? that's a tough one
3: if i have to choose between like doom me metal or being gutted metal. for parts by like an irradiated orc beast or dying in like Elon Musk awesome epic space colony mining center one. I will definitely be killed by the irradiated orc beast.
0: Yeah, the orc will at least have the dignity to grunt and scream at me as he's ripping my guts out with his tusks. Oh yeah, it's an honorable death.
1: Yeah, and Elon Musk would make a it about memes, but it'd be oh like five year old memes. Unsufferable. Oh god. Oh, you've. Burnt up. You smell like epic bacon now.
4: Oh God, kill me now.
1: Compact it was, it was...
0: was now waifu pillows. <laughs> he would not be able to
4: kill me faster than I would kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> and and you just know you just know it would end up on like uh the uh, PewDiePie would just be like a head in a jar, still doing like <laughs> meme, oh, meme reviews.
1: <laughs> oh, do you want to know something you absolutely hate to see? Uh, PewDiePie was wearing a Deaf Heaven T-shirt.
0: Uh, yep, that's pretty bad. Yeah, I feel pretty bad now.
1: Yeah, I've... so another good reason to die. Um...
0: <laughs> it's simply time to go. Yep, <laughs> time to return to our home planet, brothers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Let's get that DMT. Uh, got,
4: yeah, I'm I'm a Posadist now, I am, so <laughs> I can't wait for the for the uh, cross species comradeship and the nuclear war and the end of all life on this planet and sort of dialectics so advanced they appear to be as magic uh, it's (laughs) gonna be great
0: (laughs) i really just can't comprehend how and this strikes at a thing that i think is uh, to tie into the work that you guys do with your own podcast there is an intense current need for something like horror the Because it feels, the the more that I read this, the more that I feel like I'm getting sick or something. Just watching people in the face of these broad existential terrors just absolutely collapsing into utter delusional bullshit. Like, it feels the same way that when people get older and they get conservative and extremely religious. That same kind of, like you really can't grapple with the fact that you aren't going to be here forever and there's nothing you can do. And so you've invented this palace of the poor don't deserve my wealth. I should get to keep all of it even though I'm going to fucking die soon. And I can't even wrap my brain around the fact that my consciousness will cease. So I have to pathologically internalize some weird immortality complex. And likewise, the notion that we can't grapple with the existential threats of, of climate, of escalating uh, fascist violence, of uh, resource issues on the earth that aren't that are tied more to our pathological need to extract rather than um, sustainable structures. And the best we can do is go. If we go to space, all the problems will be gone. And it's like, well, why will they be gone? It's like, well, space doesn't have those problems. And it's like, that's not an answer, that you, what? It'd be like, yeah, if I move across town, all of my uh, issues in my life will go away because I am ultra immature and I don't understand how problems work.
5: hmm Yeah, and
1: I mean, maybe you Harvanga guys can tell us a bit more about this than I can, but... There's kind of a, a reason that Marx himself didn't sketch out a utopian vision of how communism would work, right? I mean, he's very light on the details of what a post, what a socialist society would actually entail day to day. And he he did that for a reason, right? He's not just lazy.
4: Yeah. I, I for-
3: <laughs> yeah, he was, he was just waiting for a fully automated luxury communism guy to come finish the work. <laughs> yeah, capital capital volume four all about all about like mining pluto for resources yeah, I mean, yeah.
4: I mean, marx so I wasn't can. marx wasn't a utopian um i mean this is a lot of his early stuff is re- hugely critical uh, well what this is is basically thinly disguised moralism because you're just going in the future, things could be great, and things are bad now. Think, but it, it'll be great in the future. That, that's amazing, and there's a, absolutely a place for kind of inventing. What the capitalist world could could look
5: like, but that doesn't mean that all of the kind of systemic issues that kind of in the way of doing that.
2: It reminds
1: me. So he so cut out a bunch of times again. So whatever you did a minute ago to make it stop, do that again.
4: Oh, yes. right.
2: Okay. <laughs>
1: um,
4: uh, what was I saying? What was I talking about? Yeah, I was talking about how Marx is not a utopian uh, because utopian, the utopian socialists that he critiqued, he, he criticized them because they were basically like just moralists going, ah, things are bad now and those bad things are bad. But in the future, everything could be great and Marx would go, yeah, fine, but you don't actually understand why things are bad now. Uh, and to be honest, like you get the impression that maybe Bastardi hasn't really wanted to explain the the, and has just gone, yeah, we'll just we'll just move, we'll just go to another planet, uh, and we'll have better <laughs> we'll have better apps, and it'll be fine, it, everything will be fine then, guys. <laughs> Which is exactly the kind of thing the utopian thinking that Marx would be like,
1: yeah, no. <laughs> I mean yeah. this, this book is like horribly light on Marx. I, I know like the whole meme of you know everyone vaguely in the left has to read Marx at all times is very wrong. But if you're gonna call something if you are gonna call something communist, you should have some communism in there.
0: You or, can't just... as, or literally any. Literally <laughs> any communism.
3: Yeah, that, that's one of the things that I thought was kind of like really awkward about this book is it doesn't frame like like post-scarcity luxury fun times in, in the context of like, you know, Marxism or anarchism or socialist thought. It, it, it's all like, like, OK, like Elon Musk made 10 million dollars with his epic flamethrower. And now that means SpaceX and like everything is, is in relation to these massive capitalist conglomerates and their like financial state. And that's kind of Bastani's framework that he builds through this thing, is talking about money and talking about corporations and their leaders. And, mm-hmm. and he's not talking about, like, the workers in, in the Tesla factories that are trying to protest for better conditions. He's talking about how Elon Musk's Teslas are magically self-driving. You know, like, there, there's a dissonance in that framework that, that kind of makes this almost, like, not socialist.
1: Yeah. I, and I don't want to be, like, a to be properly socialist you have to be a worker in a horrible factory for 20 hours a day in a gray jumpsuit and you have to have a number instead of a name kind of guy but and the same time like everyone can live as a billionaire is just that's just not the case no matter how many asteroids you mine you're not going to have enough stuff to go around
4: And, and here's one very good reason why that isn't the case because the billionaires that exist now will not let that happen yeah Oh, yeah. There's no, there is no kind of like, uh, they're not going to let that happen. And what, whatever capitalism is faced with a kind of crisis of the market, what it seeks to do is just create a new one. And that's exactly what's mm-hmm. going to, we've seen that happen in the past 10 years when like the labor market gets tight. So what we do is you see the acceleration of the gig economy. So you go, well, technological innovation is going to be the thing that liberates us from work. But no, technological innovation has been the thing that has made work more precarious, it's made workers more vulnerable, it's given more power to bosses. And I'm like, I don't see how you can be so naive.
5: Oh sorry
2: don't
5: don't see how you can be So naive.
2: <laughs> okay. yeah, I.
1: Oh sorry in my I... if... Oh I'm gonna You're do wise. this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so...
2: uh-huh.
1: Yeah, in, in my day job, I have to don't want to give too much away about it. it. it's basically the least politically praxisy good job I could possibly have, short of being like a cop. But um I have to talk to like bosses about automation and digital technology in their businesses. And they love this shit because they want to get rid of all their workers. Like I talk to them and they say I really want to automate my factory or uh, logistics operation or trucking or whatever, because then I won't have to deal with workers anymore. Like, they they will straight up say it to you. Like, it's it's not like a caricature to to think of like some fat cat monopoly guy boss wanting to have robots in his factory because they straight up say it to me all the time. And then I have to write press releases about it and how good it's going to be for everyone, which end up sounding a lot like this book like all the stuff I do for my day day job to try and make this horrible hell world uh, seem palatable to people. Like if I strung a bunch of those
2: uh,
1: press releases and blog posts together, I could make this book. And um, yeah, it's... Capitalists totally, totally want a horrible dystopian hell world to happen. And these guys aren't even billionaires. Some of them aren't even millionaires. But they're totally on board for it. And they're working very, very hard.
0: It reminds me as well, sometimes we, we get this notion that a more pessimistic um, leftism is uh, somehow incapable of, of dreaming and envisioning a future. That you say something like, racial tension will never be at zero. It's something we must continuously work towards uh, bringing to zero, but it will never be at zero. Um, Gendered tension or tensions of uh, social tensions of sexuality will never be at zero. We have to continuously work to bring it there, but it will never actually reach a zero. And some people will say things like, well, if you think we won't ever win, then what's the whole point of this? And it's like, well, to minimize harm, if you don't think minimizing harm is worthwhile, you're, radically immature like there's there's no other way to frame it it's the ultimate naive thought is unless every problem can be perfectly fixed forever it's not worth doing anything it's like well that's stupid you're just stupid (laughs) um but the other thing is we then get what's their big dream everyone lives as the billionaires now and trying to say to them what if that's a bad dream like what if the dream of we don't change society we just have everyone has what the people currently at the top have and trying to frame like one that's sociologically unsustainable um because it doesn't understand the pathological impulse that underpins uh the lifestyle of a billionaire the lifestyle of a head of business something like that it strikes out the notion of predation and tries to make that lifestyle apolitical it just has political uh, mechanics that bring it to fruition and that's deeply not true like we completely scrape out the psychology that creates certain manners of living in order to idealize them
1: because one in a hundred people is a psychopath that's not going to go away anytime soon, no matter how many asteroids you mine.
0: Yeah, it's it's this radically not, and this is again sort of the issue that arises as well with a purely analytic and at no point um, psychological or um, sense of uh, sense of leftism that strikes out, say, like the whole field, of like philosophy, and the the like inner mechanics there because it's trying to fix a problem that can be gummed up by one really shit person. Like you can't, it's the notion of like, you can't make, I'm, I'm American. So I'm thinking specifically about how we created this big, big, nasty infrastructure around the notion of hashtag good presidents. And then we got Obama, the hashtag goodest president, and we made it even more powerful and then trump took office and people are flabbergasted that he has as much power as he does and that a lot of these things are straight up either unimpeachable or unenforceable and it's trying to tell them it's like yes because a purely analytic thought process that purely focuses on mechanics and at no point allows power to the psychological or power to the sociological all it takes is one gruesomely bad actor like he's talking about basically the preconditions of warhammer Forty Thousand. is what (laughs) i was thinking about the whole time it's like (laughs) we get one fucking space emperor and boom we're in we're in a dystopia now it's one of the reasons why like utopian thinkers have never been taken seriously by the serious part of the left they're very good rhetoricians but they're not they're useful for political organizing. They're not useful for valid, real political thought.
5: Yeah.
1: guys, uh, respond.
3: Yeah, I would I would completely uh, agree with that. And like, I, I think you know, ca- case in point here is Elon Musk's uh, hyperloop that that he's been been <laughs> trying to build, even though it's a glorious failure. Uh, for for those of you who maybe don't know, the hyperloop is. <clears throat> Elon Musk is essentially trying to reinvent uh, and uh, hashtag disrupt public, public transportation. The, yeah, he invented the, Hyperloop, the bus. <laughs> yeah. the, the, the Hyperloop is, is an underground tunnel where your electric car sits on a maglev sled and it zips it around wherever it needs to go and then it raises up out of the tunnel. Um, but it, it sucks. It doesn't work. You know, he, they, they took out the maglev sled because it was just like this rickety piece of shit that never worked right and now it's just a regular tunnel that can only fit one car at a time. Uh, It's like a
0: parody of itself.
3: Yeah, yeah. This is a a waste of of uh, (laughs) an incalculable sum of human effort and money. And and when like you know he could have if he wanted to, like like Elon Musk has enough money to just be like, okay, like I'm buying public transportation in the city and making it amazing, and now everyone is going to ride the Elon Musk Fun Time Sub, (laughs) you know. But but it's not it's not about doing things for people. It's about building monuments to yourself. It's about oh. isolating yourself further, because that's one of the key aspects of being the ultra-rich, right? You don't engage with the rabble. You know, you don't go near them unless it's for a publicity stunt. When Bill Gates goes to get that hamburger, he, he is, n- has no interest in, in, in touching the filth around him, right? It's, it's for the show. And I think that that's something that this book doesn't like adequately grapple with at all. Is the idea that like if we all become billionaires, we all become radically atomized and isolated from each other and like imbibe this great disdain for collective
4: humanity? That's the yeah. thing, like those the billionaires that exist at the moment, the one the people who are supposed to finance all of this mining of of, of space and things like that, they're the ones who are currently buying like huge tracts of land survivalist paradise. Uh, like that's already happening. They they have already made their plans, and their plans do not include the the seven billion other people who were uh, who you know, bastani is like oh it'll be fine. Everyone everyone will get out. It'll be okay. That's not going to happen. Uh, because this and I- reads e- that touches on a sneaking suspicion
0: I had while reading this, which is uh, we talk a lot, and this <laughs> this is going to be um uh. Fairly mean-spirited of me, and I'm just going to admit that up front. We talk a lot about leftist grifters, uh, people who drape themselves in the language and drape themselves in the imagery for no other reason than personal enrichment. And on a lot of ends, um, it's as real as it is silly, because leftism isn't exactly generating a shitload of money. And you're popular with people who can only afford to listen to a free podcast. So it's it's a real thing that happens, but it's it's absolutely ass nine when it does. But reading this, it felt almost like propaganda for I'm gonna call this socialist, but then I'm gonna say, don't worry, the billionaires will fix everything. Trust the billionaires. And it's it's so it's naive to a point where it almost feels deliberately like placating.
2: Yeah,
1: there was a time a little while ago where Elon Musk made a little wave, back when he was still allowed to post, <laughs> when he called himself a socialist and said that he, he really likes the Ian Banks culture books. At which point I tweeted at him with a big, long thing of from an interview of Ian Banks. And then I think it was Jeff Vandermeer retweeted me to him. So Elon Musk, Elon Musk has seen one of my tweets, guys. Um, and yes, his, Elon Musk's idea of what socialism means is utterly bizarre, but I think it's very confluent with Bastani's. It's, uh, it does kind of privilege the billionaire, disrupting, inventing entrepreneur class. And it's almost as if Bastani was writing this for Elon Musk. I'm going to be even more me- mean spirited and posit a conspiracy theory that <laughs> Elon Musk commissioned this book, and that's why it, why it has that me- e- meme title, because Elon Musk is like blitzed out of his mind on magic mushrooms and Grimes's drugs, and is going on left book and is seeing all the all the kids meme about fully automated luxury yeah, space. He's, he's a communism. meme guy
4: now. He's a meme guy. Exactly.
1: So he's he commissioned a prominent leftist intellectual to make him the meme book that um, justifies his bizarre version of socialism. This is like when um, that American multimillionaire commissioned all those uh, libertarians to invent libertarianism for him because he wanted... <laughs> Yeah, you know, a it, political no. philosophy that allowed him to be like a total asshole all the time
0: i love that that's actually literally real and we should like just find some history book about that so that we can talk about that because it's a thing they really don't talk about uh is how contemporary libertarianism is literally a commissioned political philosophy <laughs> yeah. yeah and you, maybe
1: you... this one is too
0: you read it, and you're like, wait, wait, what? For real? And then you look into it, and you're like, holy shit, that's actually real. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it, I think, um, I, I think the thing about this is
3: kind of like, it's, it's really sad and almost tragic in a way, is that, you know, like, like th- this could very well be a grift, right? You know, like you know, this, this could easily be the pretext to a cash-in, but it could also be completely earnest, and, and the, the tragedy is is it's indistinguishable. You know, from from which one of these two things it is, because of the nature of the text itself,
0: yeah it it triggers a thought in me, which is that so a big a big tension that we see in uh, philosophical space, especially trying to read politics of it, is the tension of um the self versus the world. And we loosely allocate philosophers based on how they align on that. So we get this loose notion that someone like uh, someone like uh, Nietzsche or uh, Strasser or something is right wing because of their focus on the ego and the self. And people like Marx and Lenin are uh, inherently left because they focus on uh, society and culture. Um, and obviously the more that we dig into this, there's, there's a lot more gray area and it's a lot more of what you're doing with a philosopher's thoughts in your hands rather than what is the thinker themselves. Like that becomes a less and less useful thing because we hear people of different ideologies, uh, quoting and riffing off of philosophies where the philosopher themselves may not actually agree with them whatsoever, but they are making tangible use of those thoughts. And sort of one of the inherent uh, notions within something like critical theory is that the use of a thought means more than some abstract notion of the identity of the thought, because one of them is doing shit in the real world and the other one lives in some fantasy platonic universe that none of us have access to. I bring this up because that's been sort of a driving notion, especially on like socialism and communism's relation to art, is art on some end is read either as a gift to the world or the sort of money to the self. And obviously art at its best is more of a bleeding ground between the two. It's where selfhood and worldhood can syncretize and become one gestalt thing. It comes from an artist but resonates with the world and becomes this, this meeting ground of the two sometimes our inability to grapple with that, that friction space leads to some asinine things like building giant statues of Lenin when Lenin would hate giant statues of Lenin. Because <laughs> he was like, no, I, I'm, I'm literally just the leader of this revolution, but it's a, a, a populist revolution to give power back to the people and remove it from something like an autocratic czarist figure. And people are like, "That's so cool! Let's make a huge statue of you." And he's like, "No, what? Why? No." And they're like, "Okay, then we'll make it of Stalin." And he's like, "What? What? Who?" And then uh, he gets murdered. Um, and like uh, something that the perennial frustration of uh, tankies, who, by the way, tankies, you are real. You're not going to trick anyone by saying that you don't exist. We know exist. You're the only one. It's like people from Brooklyn who deny that, like the Brooklynite media centering exists. Only people from New York deny it. (laughs) Literally only them. It's like they're in the eye of the tornado, so they don't see a tornado. Um, But this fixation on, like, Stalin as an uncriticable figure, even though to anyone of any other leftist tradition, the intense amount of self- centering on him at least rubs you the wrong way. Uh, We can debate how deep those critiques should go and where how specific they should be but it has those elements the way this ties back into this book is at some point at some point he looked at this like great self-aggrandizement of the self this great monument to selfhood in embodied in billionaires being a billionaire living like a billionaire having access to the things a billionaire has access to so that you can have the atomic billionaire lifestyle And somehow thought, yes, this is peak leftism. Yes, this is it. There's no world. There's only one trillion selves. And it's like, well, I mean, yeah, but that's also a really incredibly reductive and bad way to arrive at a utopia. You fucking idiot. (laughs) Yeah.
4: I mean, this notion of, like, infinite growth uh, as a... in and of itself...
5: Really? really? Is that is that oh, I can't hear
1: uh, you yeah.
4: can I, um... I mean, I think if you if you can read I mean lots of this philosophically comes from a very short bit of Marxist writing called The Fragment on the Machines, um which is like two paragraphs and is is, is a vague thought about the productive capacity of automation, and it's and when and you start to see that when it's stretched out over 230 pages uh disconnected from pretty much everything else that Marxists and Marx wrote about since then, you suddenly get in some really weird places
1: yeah, he's like we've said before, it's there's not much Marx or post Marx in here. And like a little little snippet of the so isn't going to, it's not a sufficient foundation to put this on. Like, sure, pick another ph- philosopher or thinker or economist or anyone, or make up your own thing. But if you're going to build your foundation on this like little pinhead. All if the... you're gonna call yourself a communist, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: right? And like, like you're literally using the thing the guy is famous for. Ah, oh, this is—it's just completely fucking mind-boggling that you could write a book about communism and not at least confront Marxism or post-Marxist thought at all.
2: Yeah. It's...
4: Beyond that, beyond that paragraph from the Grundrisse, and this is and, the and other like, thing, oh, which is the glaring oversight, is that there is no theory of revolution. Right. It's just like yeah. we'll we will but, invent we will invent the shiny thing and then Utopia. Uh and then you all get to die in the spice in the
1: in the space mines. <laughs> uh, I,
0: I would die to to get melange. I, I would do that. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that seems that's an honorable way to die, but uh the, yeah, death, it, death
0: just... where it's at. How can we bend space time and see the future if not with melange? I just don't see a way.
4: That's my kind of fully automated luxury <laughs> communism. <laughs> yeah, but there is,
1: no, the there, stone, is no there is no, there is no theory.
4: There is no, there is no theory of social change here. It's just like when we've got the shiny gadgets, when we've extracted the last bits of rare earth minerals from from the global south, uh, then everything will be fine, and the billionaire class that have, you know. Through imperialism, through capitalist predation, have have kind of ravaged the planet. They'll all decide suddenly. Uh, let's, it's fine now. We're done. It's okay. You, you, you too, get to be a billionaire.
1: I mean, the vague attempt at it is saying like, if we make things cheap enough, and um, machines can make things with cheap enough labor, then there will be. It's just all gonna break. That, you know, you're not gonna be able to buy anything because everything will cost like a penny to buy like a Ferrari or whatever, because it's all cheap asteroid mined metals.
0: This guy sounds like a glorified fucking libertarian with that kind of bullshit. That's like every time I read uh,
1: He sounds like an accelerationist. He is a straight up accelerationist at at the point where he's talking about this stuff. And the nearest the nearest he gets to a actual theory of revolution is capitalism is just going to be so capitalist that it breaks itself and then we're going to get communism which thanks nick land that's a a (laughs) great um person to model your ideas on but we've seen we've seen that that isn't true though because the one
4: thing that capitalism does have is its own sense of self-preservation so that even when there were moments historically when it looked as if uh kind of social the social forces were constraining uh, forces of production, capitalism adapted. You know, Mark Fisher says that they capitalism is will. yeah, capitalism is infinitely plastic. Uh, is Fisher's great way of putting it? It's like it's like this. Uh, it's like the thing from John Carpenter's film. It will always kind of transform into something else. Um, so it's it's just I, it just baffles me that you can go. We will just push it so hard it'll break because it's like no capitalism will always find extra reserves of speed.
2: Yeah.
0: Especially because I think I think this strikes at people um, who are less familiar with the notion of capitalism as a theory term. They try to make it a specific object to a point where the notion of capitalism they have obviously may actually break, but they misunderstand that capitalism isn't just the one that is directly in front of us. It's this broader historical schema of power and the remaindering of power from the hands of the many into the hands of the few that's where like a lot of great post marxist thoughts have been have been developed to loop something like feudalism into a broader schema of which capitalism is part uh and notions of monarchy and empire into notions of capitalism of ways of again remaindering power and remaindering resource uh Because that's ultimately what matters is if you allow everyone to have a resource, then at some point you need to remainder the power over that resource. Like you don't need to necessarily have it in your hand if you can control it. It's part of we see that movement in information technology all the time where once something is easily controllable and backdoored, it's a lot easier to get people to give you money to hand to make it more affordable for people around you. And we obscure the fact that it, we obscure those notions because they would make people uncomfortable to think that being uh, being an object in some rich motherfucker's hand means that much to those rich sons' bitches. <laughs> um, and he's he's completely written that out. He's he views capitalism as specifically the model we have directly in front of us. And I'm just reiterating what you guys were saying at that point. But yeah, he totally misunderstands that capitalism as he knows it is one species of a broader family tree of polymorphic oppressive structures. And that the one that he knows would, it's like a mask that would fall off to reveal just another shitty mask.
5: Good good way to end with a Tao
1: reference. So but, but uh yeah, so folks it's it's not good. It's not good folks. Uh fully automated luxury communism. Don't like it. Just just hate to see it. So um yeah th- um you should buy it though and give or or just like send verso like a check. Uh, for the amount that you would, you would have paid for fully automated luxury space communism if you'd bought it in a shop and say, I am going to give you this check in order for you to destroy one copy of fully automated luxury communism.
2: <laughs>
1: do that. That's my recommendation here. Um,
0: Believe it or not, Verso, we do want you to keep sending us books. That bridal book? We liked the bridal book. We yeah. liked that one. It was good.
1: Being Numerous was so much better than this. Yeah, that um, was a really good book. Yeah, love that. But um, yeah, this and Social's Manifesto, it, it seems to be, and don't want to tell you your business here, So that when you have smart people who are not like big names um, writing quite small personal books about subjects they're inf- intimately familiar with, then you're knocking it out of the park. When you get big names writing a socialist manifesto in the year 2019 or about the entire future of the human race with asteroid minds, then they don't tend to work. Just put it out there, something to chew over, consider that. Okay, Go to the Verso Loft in Brooklyn and just think things over and probably do a lot of coke because you're in Brooklyn. But um, yeah, we're going to
5: say thank you to John and Ash for being
1: such good guests and for, you know, for reading this book, this book, you I guess you probably wouldn't have read otherwise, which would kind of force you to read. We force people <laughs> to read much worse books.
0: It's true. You guys didn't have to read the absolute worst book we've ever read. Although, unfortunately, you would have liked that one more. It was way more insane.
1: Which one's that? Because I, I, when you, whenever you say the absolute worst book we've ever read, I don't know if you mean trigger warning or trip.
0: Oh, I mean trigger warning. No, okay. I, I keep forgetting that we read trip because I actually hated it so hard that my brain blocked it out. Yeah, trip was way worse than trigger warning because I could not enjoy even one moment.
1: Hmm. Yeah, trigger warning you can at least enjoy in like a kind of the room level.
0: It was deeply insane.
1: Oh yeah, and racist. But um. Oh. So Anyway, we didn't make you. We didn't make you read that. So, yeah, I think you should thank us. But you know, not telling you business.
0: In a way, you owe us.
1: Yeah, money.
0: <laughs> and, um... But once I once I get my
3: asteroid, I'll, I'll give you a chunk of my ten quadrillion
0: billion double dollars. <laughs> yeah, once, once your yeah. once your grifter podcast money comes in you know uh, we uh, uh, soros uh, soros please uh follow my podcast <laughs> if you just want to drop a clean hundo that'd be uh <laughs> that'd be swell
3: <laughs> uh yeah mr mr elon musk uh, uh what i said about your tunnel was a was a total lie i'm launching elon musk's fun time tunnel podcast tomorrow please uh, like <laughs> and subscribe
1: would as well he would oh he's gonna podcast eventually it's but it's uh, going to be neutered by his like lawyers, and it's going to be terrible e-
4: Elon Musk, go on death sentence <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, fuck don't, it, we'd don't... host you oh yeah, we would and very, very subtly roast him, just, ev- everyone would know, but he wouldn't, it'd be great I
4: mean, I mean he, he, didn't he? he already did Joe Rogan, so like, he's already a podcaster, just <laughs> yeah, th-
1: this is the next step after Rogan, yeah um yeah.
4: It's a linear progression. Joe Rogan, then onto Death Sentence, then onto another very niche left pod, <laughs> then straight
1: on to Come Town for six months. <laughs> and um, so, where can people find you if they haven't found you already, which they should have?
3: We are uh, on Twitter at uh, Horror Vanguard. You can also find us uh, wherever good podcasts are hosted. Also on uh, Patreon, patreon.com slash Horror Vanguard. And John and I both have our own profiles, which you can find linked on the Horror Vanguard profile.
1: Yeah, and Horror Vanguard is very, very good, folks. Damn good. I was listening to um, the episode with Jake Flores today, and... That was very good, and I've never seen um, people under the stairs, but I'm probably going to watch it.
4: Oh, it's uh, so good! It's it's if you want a kind memory. of palate cleanser from this book, which makes you sort of made me sort of slightly angry about the possibility of a revolution. Uh, I highly <laughs> recommend. I highly recommend People Under the Stairs, where like evil Reaganite landlords get uh, get their ass handed to them
1: <laughs> as they should.
0: I also have to strongly recommend horror Vanguard as a uh, someone who, when I'm not making absolutely fucking foul jokes on Twitter, we'll talk about some of the like philosophical thoughts that underpin both horror and the movement of horror. They fucking get it. Like I, at no point am I like, mm, I'm, I'm instead like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I'll listen to episodes about shit that I've already like seen or read. They will say things I've already thought, and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Don't
1: just stop doing that. That's like fingers on a chalkboard.
0: <laughs> no, it's 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 me being happy.
1: Okay, well, don't Thank ever you, be
2: happy.
0: a <laughs> uh, really fucking good podcast, though. Like two brilliant, is. two brilliant people talking very, uh, very deeply and very wisely about something that's really fucking good.
1: Yeah. So let's end out the episode with some more death metal. Going oh, straight, yeah. two death metals on this one because we were going to do like a spacey metal, like mesopherium or that's the only one I can think of off the top of my head. I, I guess um, Artificial Brain would count, but they haven't released anything new York lately. But um, no, we just went straight for metal because, as we've learned from Mr. Bastani, the more metal you have, the more socialist
0: it is. It's so true.
1: Yeah, just need massive amounts of tungsten, and we're good.
0: It's a linear progression from Mm -hmm. no metal, no socialist, much metal, much socialist.
1: Yeah. I mean, it kind of is when you think about it. The amount of socialism in a society is proportional to the amount of metals that are used. Anyway, um, so these guys are called fetid, uh, they're on 20 bucks spin, which automatically makes them good because that's the good label.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, they're kind of reminding me of two mold. Maybe they that's do just feel like this, two mold. Like, I, I don't know if it's like the sound or if it's just like the cover and the fact that I can literally see a, a two mold album when I look at this on Bandcamp, because they're both on 20 bucks spin.
0: Well, I mean, if you look at... I, I I, have a promo of the new Tomb Mold album, so I don't know if anyone else has seen the cover for it, but the it does feel like the cover of the new one as well.
2: Hmm, yeah.
0: Jesus Christ, I love Tomb Mold.
2: Yeah, and so this good. record
0: is fucking good. Yeah,
1: this is good too.
0: Like, it's my, my brain turns off when the death metal comes on, and I absolutely go to the death metal place, which is the best place on Earth.
1: Mm, yeah, it's kind of like the DMT place, but,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know more slimy
0: way more uh, killing
1: yeah and um so this is an album called steeping corporeal mess um because we finally went oh, out of that. all the yeah it's just so so dumb so like steep, the, the oh. word steeping in there doesn't even make sense and
0: it's like tea but it's like viscera oh, i yeah. love it oh it's so gross
1: yeah, it it doesn't quite make sense, but you, you feel what a steeping corporeal mess is. is.
0: I uh, I every time I think about this record, I just go grab my copy of Sisyphian and just hold it. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you get you get it, buddy. Yeah, yeah. you understand.
1: <laughs> yeah, S- Sisyphian is the only time literature has approached a steeping corporeal mess.
0: <laughs> just, what if death metal became a book?
1: <laughs> yeah. there should be more of that if if there is any more of that out there people let us know
0: we will read it 100% yeah
1: so we're going to play the second track off that album it's called cranial Liqu- Liquescence. I don't even know what that is but it sounds yeah, gross that's, that's so good super
2: <laughs> tight
0: <laughs> god I fucking love death metal <laughs>
1: <laughs> Like the fourth track is called dripping subterpedal tepidity <laughs> like so it, so it's tepid it's like lukewarm <laughs> it's drip it it's blow tepid so is it cold but it's dripping
0: <laughs> i love death metal
1: first track reeking within
0: so <laughs> oh. so
1: good who
0: Whom, so. who amongst us has never learned new big unusable words as a teenager from their death metal records
1: yeah like, you you learn so much about the human body from carcass.
0: I was uh, thinking of necroticism as I said that.
1: Exactly. So, yeah. So this is Steeping Corporeal Mess by Fetid, and you just feel gross. It's a, this. This is like the musical equivalent of putting on a pair of socks that someone has recently worn and not washed. Love it. Love it. So, yeah, come back next week for more. Uh, subscribe to Patreon, listen to death metal, kill yourself. Here's some fetid.